Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 countries. You can also find out more about us by going to the links at breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also get information on our local missions fellowship. For now, take your Bibles in hand, and I'll invite you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 38-44. through 44. There, you'll find the story of a land that's in the midst of a dearth, that is, a famine or a drought. And a group of followers of God are encouraged by the visit of Elisha. Elisha's name means God is salvation. This is just what we need when life seems like a drought. Companionship. A visit with the God who is our salvation. Well, we'll begin with this introduction. In 1992, it was a year of accumulating disappointments for Queen Elizabeth. You might remember this if your memory can stretch back that far. It was a year which included the separation in the marriages of two of her sons and their wives, the divorce of her daughter, the scandalous tell-all book by one of her daughters-in-laws, a multiple scandalous photos that were put on exhibit displaying the dysfunctions of the lives of her children, At the end of the whole year, in the end of November, Windsor Castle caught fire. And so on her Christmas Eve speech, this is what Queen Elizabeth said about 1992. 1992 is not a year on which I shall look back with undiluted pleasure. In the words of one of my more sympathetic correspondents, it has turned out to be an annus horribilis. Now that's Latin for saying this year stunk. This wasn't a good year at all. I wonder what she would say of 2020. (laughs) When uh, we were kids and we were bounding out of the summer, the next thing that we set our sights on was Christmas. You know, how many days until Christmas? Sometimes Halloween, but usually we projected on all the way down to Christmas. Well, this year, rounding the corner out of summer, all of us adults are focusing our eyes on the new year. (laughs) It couldn't come soon enough. We'd like to put... 2020 behind us, it's been a year of dearth, of scarcity. That's what it means. Scarcity of fellowship, scarcity of activity, scarcity of travel and movement. This is the least I've traveled in 30-some years overseas to enjoy fellowship and ministry with brothers around the world. Scarcity of common sense, a dearth. Dearth means, again, scarcity. It's, it's not just the scarcity of food, although in your translation you say there was a famine in the land, but it was more than just a famine of food. Dearth can be a dearth of wisdom. It can be a dearth of kindness or a dearth of courage or loyalty. And if you went shopping last March, you know that there was a dearth of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. It's just scarcity is what it means. It's a season of scarcity. The life of Elisha, and we've said this before, is a foreshadowing expression of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. In a sense, you have the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, and in Elijah you see the expressions of the life of the Savior when he comes and speaks to the nation and pronounces judgment against the nation of Israel. But then you also have the ministry of the Savior as he comes to minister to the children of Israel and bless them, and that's expressed mostly in the miracles of Elisha. The miracles of Elisha, though, have a a practical and immediate element to them. In other words, they actually happened. They were actually events that took place to address particular needs, very real needs, in very particular ways. And yet, 
they illustrate the way of God with us and among us, and uniquely they illustrate the way of God with us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we look at these various stories and consider them, we ought to think that they are living parables teaching us of the higher promises that are found in our Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said of the Old Testament that they testified of him, that they found their zenith expression in pointing their words and their stories and their history and all the events that God, by his Spirit, seemed fit to and felt was good to communicate to us, to direct us all in their principles to Christ. In our passage, we come upon some challenges that are facing Individuals are called the sons of the prophets. These are individuals who are wanting to learn at the feet of Elisha and those that are being raised up and trained by Elisha to declare his truth and his teaching. These sons of the prophet are gathered in the region of Gilgal and they're going through a difficult challenge. In this passage, we see the challenges or the problems they're facing and then we see something of the remedy that's provided for them. And what I want us to do as we look at this is to consider these as paralleled to problems that we face and remedies that God provides for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at this. The first problem was this. There was a dearth in the land. It was a time of famine, but also a time of scarcity. Gilgal was a particularly fertile area in the place of Israel along the Jordan River, but now this fertile place along the Jordan River is languishing in famine and there's not only this scarcity of food but there's a dreariness the idea is there's a dreariness that's hanging over everyone and everything and into this setting Elisha arrives for a visit with the sons of the prophets and they gather all around him and that's what we read in that very first verse verse 38 let's just stop right there for a moment and let's just isolate that dearth in the land Elisha comes and visits them and they gather around him let's make our parallels there is today a spiritual famine in our land the issues of 2020 have only helped to expose the spiritual deficit that has come over our nation through successive years of wasting away the spiritual capital of past generations. My generation must face the sad truth that we have not done a good job of laying up new stores of spiritual life for the generation that has followed us. Many in the church have simply sucked out all the sentimental value of the spiritual storehouses that their mommies and daddies laid up in their walk with God without doing the hard work themselves of following on after God and living in absolute surrender to Him and dying to themselves so that the Lord Jesus through us might be able to provide graciously provisions and power for a generation that follows. And as a result, there's very little for this generation to draw upon. There is a scarcity in our land of truth, valued and held to. There is a scarcity in our land of fear and knowledge of God. Just the other day, someone shared with me the percentage of individuals that Gallup had said of children that had grown up in evangelical churches that were leaving the evangelical church. Six out of 10 young people growing up in evangelical churches are leaving the churches. Scarcity, something that was not there for them to draw upon. And although we might blame them and we might blame the age that we live in we were the salt in the age in which they grew up and we were to be the light in the age that they grew up in and we have to recognize ourselves 
Part of the problem may have been the influence of the age upon us and the decisions we made. When the absolute is removed that guides our interactions with each other, and when each person begins to do what is right in his own eyes, we have chaos that takes place. When God is not known and we do not have him in our presence, there is not a flourishing of wisdom, there's a lack of wisdom. The psalmist actually says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. When God is denied, when God is put out of the individual's life or the life of society, it is not an intellectual decision, it's a heart decision. And men begin to do the things that they want to do within their own hearts, and the scriptures tell us that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. In other words, it's not a good time to live in when the judgments and the way people live and the choices they make are generated emotionally or from their own hearts. Uh, the heart is a cauldron of emotions that boil over into disorder if they're not constrained by the wisdom that comes from acknowledging and knowing and living before an absolute God who rules over all. The knowledge of God blesses the land and the people in it and without that knowledge we wear away at one another seeking power and supremacy from our own passions upon the other a scarcity of the knowledge of God in a nation leads to a scarcity of reason of justice of peace of security instead a dearth comes on the land where only harsh weeds of disorder or oppression begin to grow up what is true in society is also true in the fellowship of the church and also in the individual walk of the follower of Jesus Christ. Where God is ignored, not sought after, where the knowledge of Him in an ongoing relationship is not cultivated as our chief and abiding concern. Our lives become subject more and more to the fluctuation of our moods and our weak fleshly impulses and we go into a place of spiritual scarcity. A scarcity that cannot be made up for with heightened activity. We'll just burn away more of the stores of past days until it's all gone and we're left cold and dry. In Proverbs 9 verse 10, we read this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It was from that proverb that A.W. Tozer wrote the book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And there he begins to explore the attributes of God. It's a wonderful book, and every time that I find a book in a used bookstore, I, I take it and I purchase it. This week, I actually went to pluck one of those books that I have off my shelf, and inside the flyleaf, I see that this book that I had in my hands was given to someone named Paula by another individual named Kathy. And this is what Kathy wrote in the flyleaf in, on March of 1998. Paula, my dearest friend, May we be faithful to spur one another on to love and good works, but more importantly, may we support and encourage each other in knowing the holy and majestic one and experiencing him. Love, Kathy. If you go and look at the introduction of the book that Tozer wrote and you study it, you'll see that Tozer begins to explain the tenet, the basis on which he begins to launch his exploration, something that he's trying to correct that he sees rising up in the churches as a whole, I want to read to you an extended quote from him, and I just want you to listen. He writes in his introduction, The low view of God, entertained almost universally among Christians, is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. With our loss of a sense of the majesty of God has come further the loss of religious awe and consciousness of divine presence. 
We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence. Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christian who can appreciate or experience the life in the Spirit. The words, be still and know that I am God, means next to nothing to the self-confident, bustling worshiper in the middle of the 20th century. This loss of majesty has come when churches are more prosperous than at any time in the past several hundred years. But the alarming thing is that our gains are mostly external and our losses are wholly internal. So, in this argument, Tozer summarizes, it may be that our supposed gains are but losses spread over a wider field. In other words, he's saying there's spiritual scarcity within our communities of faith. I think Tozer was a modern-day prophet, and he saw only an inkling of what was coming up ahead. The question that we have to ask when we consider that is, what is the solution for scarcity? What is the solution for a spiritual famine or living in the time of spiritual scarcity? And here's a bit of a hint. Dearth, that's how you describe scarcity, dearth. But also from the word, the English word dearth, you have and you gain the English word dear. Dear. They actually come from the same word. Here's where we're going. We'll get there tomorrow. When you're in the midst of a dearth, discover what you need that is most dear. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. This is a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministry, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.